on the CBS Wednesday night movie. They're the Concrete Cowboys looking for fun and good times. Okay, let her rip. Till a hasty departure from the law brings them to the home of country music. Hot damn, we're in Nashville, Tennessee. And when the boys are hired as detectives... I want you to help me find my sister. The craziness really begins. Jerry Reed and Tom Selleck star with Morgan Fairchild, Claude Akins, Ray Stevens, and Barbara Mandrell. Look out for the Concrete Cowboys, because somebody's out to get them. Next. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We're part of the Main Amy Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themainamy.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Amy. We're also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, friends. Uh, do you think Tom Selleck ensures his mustache? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, is, is that is that something Lloyd's of, it's Lloyd's of London, right? That does all those crazy Lords insurance. of London. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there's this um, uh, what's his name? I, I forget his name, but there's this one. Um, this is going to go off the rails immediately. Uh, there's this one adult film star who insured his, yes. you know, his for a million dollars. So, I mean, Tom and Selleck's it, mustache is like you know, it's like a monument unto itself. I, I wonder if it's if he doesn't short if it needs to look exactly the same because I don't <laughs> think it's changed since 1979. Well, he's, had, of... he's had plenty of uh, roles where he doesn't have the mustache. Oh, really? Really? He did a TV movie where he played Dwight Eisenhower. He had no mustache. Was it when he was born? No. Was that it? Was that the only time he didn't have his mustache? It was like yeah, he once he the, hit one. He played the baby version of <laughs> Dwight Eisenhower. <laughs> Well, Baby I Ike. think well, I, I was trying to think of other like f- phenomenal mustaches. I, I feel like you have Tom Selleck in this or in anything he does. Really, it's a it's a glorious mustache. Like uh, Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Yep, he has another glorious mustache. Who who would you put on the Mount Rushmore of mustaches? Because th- we're doing this for November. Right, so I mean, we don't maybe we don't need to do it now, but maybe over the course because it like it's tough to just like think of it on the fly. Well, I mean, if I told you, uh, it would kind of spoil the movies that are coming up. But I'd put Sam Elliott on there. Yes, Mm -hmm. I'd put Burt Reynolds on there. (sighs) Burt Reynolds is kind of iffy to me. I I, maybe I'm just not seeing. I put Selleck on there though. So he's got to be on there. Right, I mean, this guy, it, it's what all the ladies come for, right? The the mustache rides. Yep. Um, yeah, so we kind of spoiled what movie we're talking about without really talking about it, because we're talking about Tom Selleck this week for Movember. Um, but the movie we're talking about is a is an oddity in terms of this podcast. Um, it is called did, Ramblin' Man from 1979. Did you put quotes around movie? Yeah, it... Uh, this one is they called this a quote unquote movie, uh, which really we call called this a movie because it's actually a pilot for the 1981 series Concrete Cowboys. Um, Tom Selleck only shows up in the pilot episode. Uh, would later go on to continue to star Jerry Reed and a man by the name of Jeffrey Scott, who is basically the very low budget version of Tom Selleck. Um, but guys, what is your experience with Tom Selleck's mustache? Uh, again, just it's really it, it its reputation precedes itself at this point. Like when I think when you 
hear the name Tom Selleck, you just think mustache before you in, envision his face or anything like that. Uh, his mustache will probably outlive him. Uh, sure. And it, yeah, it'll go down as one of the best. And that's, yep. yeah, that's all I really know. I, again, I've never seen him without it. So you you just blew my mind by saying he didn't yeah. wear the mustache sure for did, a role. I'm pretty sure he also did not have a mustache in the movie In and Out. Do you remember that movie? Where Kevin no. Pa- Klein. Kevin Klein? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I never saw that. There he is. Naked uh, upper lip right there. <laughs> Those movies, uh, that, I don't believe they exist. That second word in that sentence disappointed me. <laughs> <laughs> a lower If I said lower lip, you would have been... Uh, no, 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 just the words after naked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I refuse to believe that those movies actually exist. I I won't acknowledge them. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, so Thomas Alex's mustache. What's yeah, your so my my experience with it is um being the first time that I realized that my grandmom had a celebrity crush because <laughs> she does not miss an episode of Blue Bloods. Oh and then, man! And then, and then she started going around the Hallmark Channel and finding it's something Stone. Jesse Stone movies. There you go. Yep, Jesse Stone. That's it. There are a lot um, and, of Jesse Stone movies. And watches them constantly. Um, like, she used to know the marathon on Ion when they would just run Blue Bloods for, like, hours on end. And it'd be oh, on okay. all day. Um, so that's How my main experience. How many seasons are there of uh, Blue Bloods? Blue Ten? Bloods, uh, there's 208 episodes. Wow. My that God. Is... I think it's closing in on 10, because they had a list of, um, I saw it was, like, longest running. Ten. Yeah, longest running TV shows and like four of the top six or something weird or like some kind of CBS property. Well, I'll tell you when I'm when I'm at work and I'll be walking down the hallway to my um, my workspace. It's all of the TV shows. And at the very end is Blue Bloods and Tom Selleck. Just I look at almost every day and that mustache. It's it's staring right at me. So it's uh, it's it's really become a big part of my life. Yeah. Sure. So it's important, you know. I mean, Blue Bloods. I haven't watched a single episode of. Probably never will because I'm still 30. So I I don't know what Blue Bloods does, or I just, <laughs> I just know I just know Tom Selleck is in it. Yeah. Uh, like Mark, uh, Tom Selleck is the reason why I first realized my dad had a celebrity crush because he doesn't miss an episode of Blue Bloods. <laughs> my my and, father-in-law is the same, and he could probably tell you exactly. How many episodes you could catch in a single day? Uh, <laughs> uh, just reruns it, on Ion and now is that attributed to the show or is it attributed to Tom Selleck and his mustache? I think my dad's got a little bit of a man crush on Tom Selleck. If I'm he, being completely honest, he, he definitely has that very you know he's very rugged. Yeah. I mean, what is he like sixty now? He's uh he's nineteen forty five, so he's yeah. sixty four. Sixty five yeah. if my if my math is correct. Still looks good, you know. Still looks like he can uh he could be rough and tumble. Seventy four. Seventy four. Seventy four. God. Math isn't working out well for us. Yeah. But his <laughs> uh his mustache is immortal. That thing looks like it's right off of concrete cowboys. Yeah, he yeah. still looks great. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I want to be like Tom Selleck. I hope I look like that when I'm 54. (laughs) Yeah. And to answer your one question about Blue Bloods, Dan, it's as close to a show trying to toe the line between being woke and Blue Lives Matter. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough line to to really... (laughs) They really uh, try to toe it. Yeah, that's a tough line to cross, (laughs) man. And They must be doing something right. Yeah. 
Oh, they're really on listening. CBS. That's, that's... Again, I like Tom Selleck. I I would wish no ill upon him. No, he's so great in it. If this if this is one of the longer running series, that's probably for the best. Sure. And uh, the former Mrs. Tom Brady. Oh, she's in it. Bridget Moynihan. Yep. Uh, Girl, he kicked to the side. Yep. While pregnant, and, right? And a, yeah. Yeah, while pregnant. And a new kid on the block. That's, or no? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True goat status, right there. That's what that's what goats do. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm upgrading. Just, just like his idol, and never mind. We won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I, I, I we'll we'll say it off air, but I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, uh, the movie we are talking about is Ramblin' Man. Uh, guys, what do you think about Ramblin' Man? For a movie, it doesn't work. But for a TV pilot, it also doesn't work because it didn't get picked up. <laughs> well, it did. But only oh, for it seven, did? Episode, oh, seven just, more episodes. I, I see that it says a failed pilot, so I thought maybe it didn't get picked up. But, uh, you know, it, it, has, it had potential, and I liked where they were going with it, but I don't, I don't think they can... I don't think they could put all the pieces together to make it coherent. Because like you said, Tom Selleck, uh, he had good chemistry with, uh, was it Jerry Reed? Jerry Reed. Yeah. So they had good chemistry there, but Mark, you'll bring something up in a little while about uh, one of the other stars. But it, it just, it, it, it didn't all fit, even though they had everything together. It just to me, wasn't very enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Th- this, this movie... Um... Yeah, Very for the much... purposes of, for the purposes of this podcast, we're calling this a movie. Yeah, yeah, because um, they called this a movie. No, I was gonna. My little joke there is that it felt more like a a TV movie. Like it would have been right in line in that time period with your murder charotes, your Columbos. You know, just three to four times a year, hour and a half, make it a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, on Sunday nights, or I don't know what television was like in the eighties in terms of what days were popular or not mm-hmm. um, for shows like that. You know, just just something that comes on. It's a special occasion. Tom Selleck is this cowboy detective or fake cowboy detective, you know, going around the South and, you know, solving crimes, you know, sort of I, I thing. Think, I think that's one of the problems with this movie is because they, as we find out, it's like accidental. Yeah. So how do you keep that going as a as a series? Do they just keep going to southern states and like, oh, you guys look like detectives? And we're like, well, here we go again, you know. Right. It, it's kind of a strange uh, setup. Yeah. Sure. I think. Yeah. I. I think to to your point, uh, it kind of. I think it maybe even fails as a series because part of the fun is watching these guys get into hijinks. Right. And if they're just if they're stuck week to week just solving crimes or and it's just kind of taking away from the actual things that I enjoyed from this. I didn't. I did not dislike this. I thought it was. Uh, I thought we were in trouble when I got like about 25 minutes in and I realized that um, there was something slightly off about this movie. And then I came to realize that it was a failed TV pilot um, that that a show that would run an additional seven episodes without Tom Selleck. Jerry Reed would reprise his role as JD, but then they replaced Tom Selleck. Um, But yeah, it didn't suck, but it was mostly what was what I liked about it was. Jerry Reed and Tom Selleck kind of having that buddy relationship um, and sort of a cross between, uh, we've mentioned off air, like 
Dukes of Hazard and uh, Cannibal Run and Smokey and the Band, that, that kind of just like drifter sort of mentality that seemed to be popular in the 1970s where these guys are just going to pick up odd jobs, move from place to place, get into adventures, kind of like that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but it got bogged down in this kind of murder mystery um, and probably a lot of the country music stuff was probably lost on a lot of uh, us a bit. Oh, yeah. Because um, they do bring up a couple of uh, uh, cameos of Roy Cuff, Barbara Mandrell, and Ray Stevens. Yeah. I'm just like, I've heard the name Barbara Mandrell, but yeah, that's, that's the about only it. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing, Ant. <laughs> I, I thought, I immediately thought you would enjoy this movie, Ant, because one of the first scenes is Tom Selleck and Jerry Reed hitching a ride in a boxcar. And that one was of pretty your, cool. One of your dreams when we first were getting to know each other was you just wanted to ride the rails. You like, I'll have my uh, my knapsack, and I'll just I'll ride the rails, man. I'm going wherever the train takes me. So it, immediately I thought, well, Ant's gonna like this movie, so I have to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so so yes, that's one of the things I liked. I liked the idea of a series where these guys would just jump on a train at the end of every episode, and they jump off the train at the beginning of the next episode, new town. And a new adventure that awaits them. I don't know how they could possibly work that for an entire long run series. Right. Um, There's only so far you can go on a train, I'd imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, But that—that's what I would like. I really do think it falls into that—that—that made-for-TV movie four times a year sort of thing. So if you would have found like an older uh, cowboy, like someone from a western, rather than an upstart actor that was just about to hit it big a year later. In, in Tom Selleck, if you only did it a few times a year, maybe you have more time to figure out what each special episode is because it can be all contained. And also just make sure you don't hire Morgan Fairchild again. <laughs> right. but, that, that's yeah, talk more really about thinking. this. Talk more about oh, this. Oh, God. From the first time. <laughs> how, can, okay. Do we want to spoil plot points? Because go, go ahead. The acting, when she comes in in the beginning, luckily it's in the beginning, um, when she first shows up and immediately is like playing her sister of the character she is in the movie and the acting is awful and i immediately kind of knew the ending (laughs) at that point yeah um just because you know it's she's not a great actress and it also is morgan fairchild it's kind of hard to hide her either even under a wig and glasses yeah um so the reveal it wasn't like a scooby-doo reveal you know it was like oh the wig even though they tried to play it off like that um later yeah, that on that was probably the biggest problem with this movie. Yeah. And and also she's not a great singer. <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh. She's not actually even that pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Jen made sure to let me know like she's not that good. I'm like yeah, I know. In yeah, movie, she's in, bad. I'm like okay, I know. In a movie where you have Barbara Mandrell who we sort of just know in the periphery in this movie and then you have this girl who's like, "Oh yeah, she was trying to you know, she was just as good as anything else I've ever heard. All right. these country stars saying that. You're like, it's <laughs> just like, oh, man. But, and the funny part is they, they have a line about her character in this movie as to why um, she wasn't making it big. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's exactly what the actress is doing when she's singing the song. <laughs> like, um, either she's really good and method and got into how that would sound, or she just has no emotion with singing right. at all but yeah that was my that was the i was so glad she had as limited a screen time as she did 
Yeah, she's not in it much. But to your point, like, yeah. Like, as soon as you see her walk in with that terrible dark wig, I was like, oh, well, that's really... There's no sisters. It's just her. Right. Yeah, Uh, it's... Maybe they were kind of banking on knowing knowing who she was. Was she that popular when this came out? She was in a soap at this point, but not really that popular, I don't believe. Yeah. Yeah, I I wonder if they thought they hit it well enough, but... I mean, you could have you could have even said they were twins and maybe gotten away with it for a little bit. Yeah. Right. But they didn't. That they the way they leaned into it and they said that she's a couple of years older than older. her. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's all those things. I think we've talked about this probably in our conversations about movies, you know, off and on podcasts um, that sometimes when you're trying to explain a ridiculous thing that people are seeing, it just takes one little line. Just had just had one little line. In there, and you can at least get a high percentage of people to suspend their disbelief mm-hmm. in that. And sometimes if you don't mention that line, then the whole movie, I'm like, well, when's this going to come back? I already know what this is. <laughs> you know? Mark is yeah. so harsh on these movies. Yeah. I feel like uh, that's actually the complete opposite. Mark isn't harsh at all. No, you're, I think, you're pretty I think open. Once we, once we called him out on the fact that he's too nice to these movies, I think he's gotten a harder edge. I could, yeah, a little bit because he's been less forgiving. Yeah. Um, but yes, this movie or pilot, I should say, was directed by Burt Kennedy, who directed a bunch of westerns, including Support Your Local Gunfighter, The Return of Magnificent Seven, Hanny Calder, and of course, Suburban Commando, starring Hulk Hogan. I thought Maybe. I recognized the name and I couldn't put it together. <laughs> Did you, you really? You know the director. You, you could recognize the name of the director. Of and, no, as soon as you said, you know, Suburban his name was Commando. Like, I was like, I think I've either heard or read that name before. Somewhere. You get more and more interesting as the days go on. <laughs> How often have you seen Suburban Commando? <laughs> I watched Let's it unpack about- this a little bit. I haven't watched it in about 20, 20 years or so. I haven't okay. watched it, but in about I did watch 20 it a lot days. when I was younger. <laughs> yes, because that's the one with the that's the one with the Undertaker in it, right? Yes, yes, yeah, I believe so. And He's I think like the that bodyguard. was the reason. Yeah, I think that's the reason why I watched it a lot because I was I was mesmerized at that age of oh, he's he's not dressed like the Undertaker. What is K- this? K Fab, K Yeah, K Fab. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why I watched it so often. Like I said, I probably haven't watched it since the early '90s, or you know, that's not the same movie with. Christopher, Christopher Lloyd, Lloyd, is it? I think that's Mr. Mom. Oh, okay. okay. Same thing. I okay. was I've, frozen I've more, today. Yeah, I it's was like, frozen. It's like John, it's like John Claude Van Damme. It's it's sad that I've seen more Hulk Hogan movies than I wish to admit. And oh, may have watched. There's the, only three, right? I may have watched the first six episodes of Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> I think I think we start to judge you if you followed. Uh, what what was the the reality show? Oh, Hogan, Hogan knows, knows best. best. Yeah, I think that's when we start to judge if you uh, if you continued with Hogan Mark, knows best. Mark, have you, you watched it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that nervous laugh. No, <laughs> no, no. I was like, hit mute. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this movie has an IMDb score of five point four and a Rotten Tomatoes score of thirty six percent audience. Uh, it stars Tom Selleck, Jerry Reed, Morgan Fairchild, and Claude Atkin. Akins, who played, uh, what was his name, Woody Stone. Very familiar face, but I don't know what else he was in. That was how... Woody Stone? Woody Stone. He, does, he did look familiar. I thought he was an actual like country singer. But I, guess I was going to say, that makes sense because 
in my head when his name came up, I was like, Woody Stone sounds like what someone thinks a country music star's name would be. Yeah, yeah. I buy it. You know, not an actual one. Yeah. See Woody Stone tonight at the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, I could buy it. Yeah, 100%. He yeah. looked like the like an absolute country star. He had all the makings of it. Yeah. Mainly because I don't listen to country, so I'll believe that's it. Right. You could throw anyone in front of me. Like, yeah, yeah that, that era of country music, definitely. I, yeah. I don't know, you know. I don't know anything. I, if you told me someone was Crosby <laughs> or Brooks and Dunn, like, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's Brooks and that's Dunn, sure. Exactly. Just two, yeah. just two hobos in Western shirts. I couldn't tell you country singers now. Just put a, just put a guy in a 10-gallon cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or a trucker hat, one or that's the other. Him. I think. Like, is that the... Tex Avery? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard of country that Country music star, isn't it? <laughs> has to be. Who was the one? Was it Ray Stevens? Uh, man, I wanted to go back in time to this movie and punch Ray Stevens in the face when oh, it was man. his uh, his time on the uh, on the movie. Tell you what, he is no Dolomite. No, <laughs> no. he he's the he's on the opposite end of the spectrum of Dolomite. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's Dolomite to white people. <laughs> right. I mean, no, I, mean, I mean, Tom Selleck seemed to be enjoying it. No, he didn't. Jerry Reed was enjoying it, and yeah. Tom Selleck was just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, staying in character. But Jerry Reed's like, you see that boy? That's Ray, that is the Ray Stevens. <laughs> you got to he... get your face out of the encyclopedias, boy. <laughs> right. Stop Stop all the book learning. Yeah, he's he's on the seas now. <laughs> well, what an odd character. Uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, It's uh, not. It's not. Because it's a TV show, so he would progress as that series went on. That makes sense, right? So I guess it's be the next week it'd be, it be D. Yeah, it'd be an on-running okay. joke. Okay, because yeah, I, movie... I bet you the book that he picks up in Lonnie's apartment was D. And he's so like the next him. the next episode, he'd have D. I like then, that. Yes. I like that device. I got to be honest with you, but not for the movie. Not for a movie, no. But for a series, it's so stupid, but it kind of it kind of works for me. It's different. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in our uh, in our pilot when we make a pilot. Yeah, uh, they it's call like, this a movie pilot. Sure. And like every episode, he would like spout knowledge of something that he would be reading in that. Well, uh, culpability was this one. Culpability right? in this one, yeah. Which was pretty interesting, yeah. but again, I I don't think for. If, if again before I knew this was a pilot, I'm like, yeah, right. that's that's a weird like quirk that he has. He has to read the encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. So what? So uh, doing some research, I kind of gathered that this was never really supposed to be watched as a movie. Obviously, it's a pilot, but like after it's um, after it went into like public domain for mm-hmm. whatever reason, uh, like those DVD companies kind of you know those really shitty fifty movie packs or whatever. Um, they repackaged this and kind of put them on, on this on one of those like ten dollar, ten bucks for ten movie sort of DVD packs, and th- that's sort of how it kind of uh, lived on. And that's probably when they re- renamed it um, to Ramblin' Man. That's kind of how it got this new life as this. So really can't blame this pilot for not succeeding as a movie because it was never intended to be. It's yeah. kind of someone that threw this on there to make a quick buck. And we, we spoke about it off air where uh, 
if you if uh, you the listener out there decide to watch Ramblin' Man, it it has chapters. So it'll play for a few, like you know twenty minutes, and then it'll go to like chapter two. And it's it, it's very jarring how it just stops in the middle of the the movie to introduce this. Ep- I guess it's another episode or whatever. I don't. I, I don't I know. Think, I think this was probably aired as like a TV special. Okay. In hopes that it would get. Then there's probably act. There's probably commercial breaks. Okay. That, yeah, that makes more sense. I mean, right? it could have just as. Be, well, it only it only shows on IMDb as one episode. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming that's what happened. There was like a two-hour special. Like, oh man, it's that Tom Selleck fellow that I've seen in. I don't know what you were seeing him in at that point. That it's one episode Selleck of the Fall fella. Guy. <laughs> it's Tom Selleck. That's the guy I haven't seen in Magnum PI yet. Yeah. <laughs> or those three episodes of Marcus Welby, MD, that I saw in 1974 to 1975. <laughs> I think he was in Charlie's Angels. He was in eight episodes of Bracken's World. Ooh, so there we go. Who could forget Bracken's World? Yeah. He played Stud in Myra Breckenridge. <laughs> well, talk about eating shit right at the beginning of your career. I mean, this guy worked his way up, man. Yeah, gotta respect it. Yeah, absolutely. The the hustle, but it's really the mustache that got him there. That's right. It's gotta be. And the chest hair. Let's not forget the chest hair. He had he had a good uh, he he had a good set of. Uh, what is it, uh, chest lettuce, they call it, I think? <laughs> I'm sure. I've never heard that, but yes, I'm calling it oh, that Maybe I just made that up. Forever. <laughs> I thought I heard someone say that. I could be making yeah. it up, but um, yeah, yeah he, I, he was definitely, he's a good-looking guy back then. Yeah, I guess the most popular thing he would have been in was he was on The Young and the Restless for two years, so. Oh, there you well, go. That was, you yep, knew that, too, didn't you? You didn't even have to look that up. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm a huge Young and the Restless fan. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I wouldn't put it past you, Mark. As I said earlier, it has the makings of an interesting series, uh, but it, it's it's real corny. It's like super corny. Where I don't know if they meant it to be that corny at times. Do you know Do you know what I mean? Like I wanted. I, I think they wanted it to be serious at some points. But uh, it, I I think I think it's kind of a difference of time. You know, nineteen seventy nine. It probably wasn't corny. Just it's it's just like Dukes of Hazard. It's not that it's not that corny. I, I got those nervous. Duke Bo- watch those Duke boys do that all the time. I, I was getting nervous because I thought it was going to go into like racist territory <laughs> when they get to Lonnie's apartment and they there's a uh, a wooden uh, Native American chieftain mm-hmm. and I, what does he call him? I forget like chief or something like that. Yeah. But I, I thought I was like, oh man, I really don't want this to go into like. MAGA territory because <laughs> they're in Nashville so yeah. at any point this could have been like alright you know yeah. this is like fun hijinks and it could have gotten into like borderline racist hijinks yeah they, they stumble upon a KKK rally oh right. my god yeah. right. I mean they could have avoided by just putting it in Memphis no <laughs> but but like I, I for that because Anthony brought up that time period it's so easy for it to have just gone into that, yeah. like that mode, and no one would have thought anything of it. Yeah. Because again, oh, it's 1979. You know, it's it's much more carefree and lighthearted with racism. So I don't think they would have cared. But now, like, oh, do do I have to cancel Tom Selleck because of something he did in 1979? <laughs> you know, it's I don't want to well, cancel no, Tom it's Selleck. The, it's the NRA stuff that later in life that you should cancel him for. Oh, okay. it. <laughs> but we won't but, get into that either. We're just right. here to celebrate the man and his mustache. 
Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's time to get into the plot. Yeah. Uh, before we do, we're going to take a step back to uh, hear a word from from the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back, and it's time to get into the plot of Ramblin' Man from 1979, also known as Concrete Cowboys. Uh, we open up on some hand-drawn art of, as a uh, plot opener, and we got a theme song sung by Jerry Reed himself. And we open up on a poker game in some Montana general store or something like that. Uh, it's poker game just happened in the middle of, of a store. Uh, we meet our heroes, JD and Will, and JD's playing poker uh, with a whole bunch of other dudes. Uh, one of the dudes is cheating. Um, and then JD picks a fight with them. Uh, there's a scrum that goes on, and eventually, when it's all said and done, we realize that the guy that was cheating was none other than the sheriff. The the the, the guy who was cheating that was one of the worst examples <laughs> of cheating. Like, he didn't even try to hide his yeah. card. He you know most most of the time in movies or TV shows, the guy will have it like up his sleeve, or he'll have it under the chair or under the table or something out of sight. This guy just has it like. Between, between his, his feet. Yeah, between his feet for everyone to see. <laughs> Tom Selleck didn't even need to look up to see it. Yep. He's <laughs> just sitting there reading his, reading his encyclopedia. And he's like, hey, what about that card right there? <laughs> it's blatantly out in the open. I'm like, oh, man. Like, these guys just don't give a shit. Yeah. That was a Montana, man. Yeah. Or it's either like they, they don't care or they're just too stupid. Yeah. I like to think <laughs> that they're just too stupid there. Yeah. Uh, so... JD and Will get tossed out of the general store, and everybody's having a good old time. The fact that they uh, put one over on old JD and Will, but in order to get them back, uh, they steal one of those guys' wrecker trucks, and they pull down the whole store with it, and nearly killing all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's nearly a little open harsh. Up, uh, nearly open up on a triple murder, um, right. but in a fun way. So in a not... fun way, right? Yeah, there's like the banjo playing in the background, like so. It's like it's okay. It's, it's fun-loving uh, homicide. Definitely something the Duke boys would do. Right. Yeah. So uh, they the chase ensues. They're, they steal a wrecker, and the, the sheriff's in the cruiser. Eventually, they come across a slow-moving freight train. Um, they jump on and going wherever the train takes them. And then we get a scene in, inside the train where we learn more about our characters. They're kind of... Uh, couple of guys are sort of drifters but they're good old boys working around some rough, roughneck jobs getting into adventures and stuff like that is where we find out that will likes to read the encyclopedia and he's reading up on his c's and uh the uh, njd is kind of weird about that which yeah. makes sense because who reads the encyclopedia uh <laughs> um, I'm, I'm shocked they didn't like did they name drop it did they say britannica no wasn't they just that a big encyclopedia no. My parents had a, a set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that would have maybe they would have got a little more money for that pilot if they would have name dropped. 
The only other character I've ever seen read a in his encyclopedia was Ben Stiller in Dodgeball, and he does it just to try to impress uh, his wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember that? He's like, oh, yeah. just caught me doing some light reading. You read the encyclopedia? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that would have been the appropriate reaction here. Why are you reading the encyclopedia? Yeah. yeah. Whatever, who cares? <laughs> it, I, I was kind of hoping, I was like, yeah, it was just like lying in this boxcar. That would have made more sense than, I just carry this encyclopedia around with me wherever I go. Yeah. Um, nowadays, it'd be like, what the fuck is an encyclopedia? encyclopedia. <laughs> <Right>. What's a book? <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> so he's reading the seas. Um, JD goes to sleep. They wake. They both wake up. They find themselves in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. And that uh, might be the worst. Like, like inter- it just comes by, and it's just like an office building. Yeah. Like, oh man, I'm so glad I'm in Nashville. Get where we are, and he, but he recognizes it immediately. Like, oh my god, it's that building from Nashville. <laughs> it's that parking garage. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess that's Nashville. You I did have a me. good laugh about that. Yeah. Everything about this movie is basically, you could have just told me this is what it was. I'm like, I guess that's what it is, sure. Yeah. Yep, that's that person. It yep, that's seems that building. like they filmed on location, though. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, like, because that seems like, that seems like something that would happen, like, uh, like uh, in Wayne's World 2, when they, quote-unquote, go to London, and it's obviously <laughs> just, it's two stand-ins. <laughs> but yeah, no, just by the view out the train it was definitely shot on location because you know there was not even like a shot of anything famous you know as they looked no. out the train you're telling me you've yeah. never been to the world famous nashville tennessee railroad station <laughs> come on mark yeah come not on. just the regular railroad station the freight train station. freight the freight yeah uh world renowned <laughs> Yeah, they they roll into the station. They run afoul of a uh, of a rail cop, but uh... <laughs> run afoul. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Uh, so they they kind of smooth talk him, and he just says, ah, "Get out of here before before I t- take you in or something like that." That guy wasn't intimidating at all. Not at all. He was the like, guy was like he's seventy. Yeah, <laughs> it was like he retired from being a retired cop. Right. I've done this job as the security guard at the mall. I'm gonna go work the rail station. He's really giving these guys a hard time. Like, oh, all right, come on, man, you're really gonna bust our balls about this? Yeah, Tom Selleck just punch you out if he wants to. Yeah, or they could just walk away from him at a brisk pace, and he's not catching them. <laughs> so they they do exactly that. Um, and then JD says, "Yo, know, I gotta call that dude Lonnie Grimes that we met in Kansas City. Says if we're ever in town, Nashville, look him up." Um, so they call Lonnie, uh, who's saying, "Oh shucks, guys, I'm about to run out of time. But you know what? You could use my apartment and my car. All you need to do is just pick up a package for me, and it's yours for the week." They're like, "All right, that sounds good." And so they pick up something at the post office. Uh, they jump in a cab and head to the apartment. The mysterious guy with the perm and suit starts to follow them. But my favorite part is uh, he uses a car phone. And at this point, 1979, it's like a rotary phone. Yeah. <laughs> you can see him just, you know, it's like the, the door's in the way, but you can see him just doing the dial. <laughs> I, I didn't know that cars had phones at that point. Yeah. 
And uh, that's not like a millennial thing. I just honestly, I didn't think that in 1979 that was available. It looks like a kitchen phone, though. Like you you know, it's like like the Wolf of Wall Street. You see like the big phones, or just like you see that big portable phones and like all those 80s like nostalgia shows and whatever. But this one's just like something you'd have on your night on your night table. Like oh, boom, hello. And that's not the only car to have it in this movie as well. Right. The the Excalibur has the uh, has the mobile phone with the with the white headset part. Yep. Yes, fancy. Yeah. Not only does there a rotary phone in this shot in the scene, but we also see the cameraman in the reflection of the car. <laughs> and that's why he didn't, didn't get picked that. up. Yep. Uh, but the the mysterious man with the perm uh, loads gun, and then we uh, fade out to chapter two. Will and JD show up at Lonnie's apartment complex, which is for singles, which is stacked with hotties hanging out by the pool in the middle of the day. Yep. In Nashville. Yep. I, again, I don't know if that's a true thing. I'm going to assume it is. Uh, are there are there a lot of... Is it Nashville known for that? I don't know. But I'll believe uh, it. Yeah, according to the chapter card, it takes place at like a, a specifically a singles apartment complex. I don't know okay. if that's a thing anymore. Maybe it was a thing in the 70s where it's it like, sounds like a 70s singles thing. only. Um, right. Because he's got like the ultimate '70s bachelor pad, so yeah. Lonnie totally fucks. Yeah, everything's like velvet. Everything's velvet. <laughs> he's got an indoor hot tub. He's yeah. got mirrors on the ceiling above his bed, which camera. also has cameras. Yeah, and yeah, it's like a, it's like a full he's into bedroom some illegal bed. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he's a hundred percent. If this movie was a Colombo murder, she wrote that camera would have came into play. Mm-hmm. For revealing something, I can't surprisingly it doesn't. Yeah, why that's introduce a fair that? Point. Well, because at the at the very end, that's where uh, I I don't know if I want to jump that far, but at the very end, Tom Selleck goes back into the room and the camera comes down. I'm like, oh, okay, this is where Tom Selleck's going to look at the camera and see if this actually what happened happened. Nope, mm-hmm. never comes into play. Yeah. And they make a big deal out of it. Like Tom Selleck is looking at it, he's waving at himself in the in the TV. Like, he's oh, man, he's petting his mustache. Yeah, he's loving it. He's he's having the time of his life with that. And it just uh I guess it was just maybe it was something new in nineteen seventy nine and they wanted to showcase it. Yeah. But yeah, it never comes into play again. Yeah, it's kinda like uh like it's the first smart home. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's very apparent that Lonnie fucks and a lot, a lot, and I don't know if the women know that this is going on. It's never alluded to, yeah, but it's very obvious, mm-hmm. right? Because if you just look yeah. over to your left, there's a TV screen. You see and the you monitor, see, yeah. yeah, you see the monitor. So I guess they're cool with it, but yeah, this guy's like a pimp. Yeah, he fucks a lot. Uh, these two, JD and Will, decide to immediately get naked and share a hot tub together. <laughs> yeah, they like immediately. Well, yeah, let's do this right. This is the first thing we have to do. Uh, again, I, I don't know if maybe a different time period. Yeah, sure. I, I was going to say how uh, yeah, I was surprised this happened um, in the when they're talking about how big the bathtub is. Jerry Reed's first thing is to say, you can fit the whole Dallas Cowboys in there. Yeah, I did notice <laughs> right. that, too. And, and I was like, yeah, in 1979, I thought it would have been the opposite. Right. They would have said the cheerleaders first. So I was like, oh. And, and there's a point where uh, Morgan Fairchild comes in that 
JD is under the water for a long time. Yeah. And Tom Selleck is not under the water. Yep. So, you know, this we're not... He's just promoting pansexuality, which is yeah. great. Listen, yeah, Ahead we're not... time. I agree. It is, uh, this was a very progressive yeah. pilot. It, it mm-hmm. felt like J- it, the, the Cowboys moment felt more like Slip of the Tongue by Jerry Reed. Yeah. And then he felt it was like, the Dallas Cowboys and their cheerleaders. You could also get their cheerleaders in there. <laughs> Guys, I, I meant some cheerleaders. Did I mention the cheerleaders? <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that's why this didn't get picked up. Yeah. <laughs> Too ahead, too ahead of its time. I'm just going to keep saying that throughout the, <laughs> every little thing. And that's why it didn't get picked up. Uh, so a woman by the name of Kate shows up and asks them to find out what happened to her sister. She mistakes them for some sort of private investigators. Uh, she said that told her sister was killed. Carla was her name was Carla and she came to Nashville to be a star. Uh, Will excuses himself to watch himself pet his own mustache on a bed that also has a camera. To be fair. I would probably watch that too. Yeah, like, yeah. Just keep going, man. I'll give you. I'll. I'll pay you to do that. Yeah. Just like just petting the mustache. Like, ooh, look how good it looks on camera. <laughs> That's an. I mean, right now I'm looking at myself on Skype, and I have. I'm growing the beard out. I like looking at it, so I can only imagine what Tom Selleck yeah. does when he sees it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. hypnot. Like it's like narcissist. You can't. You can't look at yourself right. in the in the mirror. Yeah, I mean, he has to no, avoid fa- no offense to no offense to your beard. You grow a pretty solid beard, it's but decent. it's not a Mount it's not a Mount Rushmore beard. No, Tom Selleck is sporting a Mount Rushmore mustache, so it's like he might jer- <laughs> he might jerk off to do pictures of his, of his mustache. And right? No one would blame and him. Exactly, he'd yeah. be in his in his own right to jerk yeah. off to his own mustache. And and the the fourth Mount Rushmore person is Al Trebek. Oh yes, Fair that's point. a good one. Yeah. Very good. I mean, I should clarify and say Tom Selleck could masturbate to his own. Not that he does, mustache, but he wouldn't need to in 1979 because he's just no. knee deep in it. Yeah, well, assuming we we weren't around then, but and you were close, that. but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I, I four firmly, days closer than Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I firmly believe that Tom Selleck has to avoid all mirrors or it's just like he gets stuck like worshiping his mustache yeah you know like they're on the set of blue bloods where where's tom uh someone check to see if he's checking himself out in the mirror again yeah. so we have to run and grab tom! him <laughs> who forgot to cover the the, the fucking full like mirror told you no mirrors in his trailer god damn it but, no, yeah he, but uh tom Selleck told the fucks because he's a plus sixer so six that's, foot that's... four <laughs> And He's a mega why, sixer. That's why I'm still a virgin. <laughs> Five eight. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I wish someone would have told me this. <laughs> the beard Damn. means nothing. Nope. 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 <laughs> uh, so she pays them a thousand bucks to find out what happened to her sister. So they jump into Lonnie's sweet ride, and then after the creepy perm guy was dicking around with it. And they wind up at a creepy wax museum statue fat, uh, museum. Uh, yeah. They meet Roya Cuff, pioneer of country music, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Again, sure. <laughs> Why not? Apparently. This this cameo is mostly lost on us. <laughs> yeah. Mostly. Yeah. 100%. But more importantly, we meet the manager of the wax museum's wife, who is played by uh, George's almost in-law mo- mother-in-law on... On Seinfeld. Seinfeld. 
So that cameo is not lost on me. <laughs> I would say that's probably the only cameo we know of. Uh, she tells him them where to find her husband, and they go to talk to him. They go back to talk to the manager, and at this moment, they walk into him dressing one of the wax figures. And I forgot we were in a wax museum at this point. I thought that was a yeah. corpse. <laughs> I thought he was a coroner. Yep. And the, the the figure is in a weird pose. Like, his his arm is, like, halfway up, and his one leg is halfway up. I'm like, oh, my God. What, does, what happened to that guy? Yeah. The only way you know he wasn't a coroner is because he wasn't eating a sandwich. <laughs> and all listening to music. Just... All coroners just eat sandwiches. Right. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely the trope. Yeah. So they ask him about Carla. He mentions that she worked for him and his wife and that they paid for her to record a song. And then we get a flashback of her recording that song. And it just seems like they were like a big, happy family. So they're like, all right. And then the wife just says, no, that my, my shithead of a husband was fucking her <laughs> on the side. And we get yeah. a flashback of it being slightly different. Um, and at this point, if I'm a detective, I quit. Like, yeah, this is too hard. One person <laughs> saying like, one thing and the other person saying the other. I don't want to do this. It's kind of like, you know what? I'm getting a little bit too deep into this. We're going <laughs> right. to uncover some things we don't want to uncover. Just, just take the money and run. I'm like, oh, we, I mean, I have the money. Just let's go to Hollywood. Yeah, I don't care. But yeah, at that point... I wipe my hands of this. <laughs> it's kind of funny because, like, the, the manager of the Wax Museum was just so nonchalant that he just got, just, like, bold-faced lied to, like, two random yeah. dudes. Like, but, oh. but they're not cops. But it's just like, oh, he just went back to work. Like, all right, well, uh, this is this is not going to come back in any way, shape, or form <laughs> yeah. as they pass my wife as they walk out. <laughs> I think he, I think he like told them to talk to his wife too. Like, yeah, you can ask my wife. Why would you do that? Exactly. I'm sure she'll <laughs> back me up in whatever she didn't hear me just say. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's very blatant, and I kind of love it because it's it's, it's something you don't see every day. It's some guy blatantly lying, and then telling the guys, yeah, go, my wife will corroborate that, and just complete opposite. Yeah. But they, but they never go back to the the husband, right? No, it's they, like, yeah, you know, my husband was banging her. Like, oh, all right, moving on. Yeah, they just they so the kind of the setup to this whole movie is they go from they they always get a clue from each place they go when they go wind up talking to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they hear that, uh, <laughs> so then they leave. As they're leaving, they're getting the perm guy pulls up on on them with his car. And shoots the one of their tries to kill him, shoots one of their tires, and then wind up cr- crashing into a police station. And then we cut to black. Commercial break. Cut into chapter three. We meet the sheriff, who for some reason is the from best part of the movie. <laughs> He's not I, from Nashville. He's from he Philadelphia. I I think this is so useless. This cop. He only comes in to like bust their balls and yep. does no police work really. So he comes in at the end. We needed to establish him because of the yes. end. Sounds I like, guess. Sounds like sounds like a veteran of the Philadelphia police force. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. I didn't want to go there though. I didn't want to disrespect you, Mark. <laughs> oh no. They're they're terrible. It's very it's such um, a it's such a weird char- character trait 
of him just being from Philadelphia right. in Nashville. Right, because he even says, like, I hate country music, and I hate cowboys. And then what the fuck are you doing here? I'm only here <laughs> because my, my daughters live here, and I hate their husbands. <laughs> what? what an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he was not a fun guy. But no. they smoothed. After crashing right into the police station, uh, Will talks about culpability and all that kind of stuff, and they talk their way out of getting off scot-free, and they take the time to go to the Alley Alley Cat Club. Uh, Will mentions that the picture of Carla has her performing in front of a sign that says the Alley Cat Club, so what better place to go than there to see, see who they could find? They walk into a performance by... I guess comedian singer Ray Stevens. Yep. I'm sure. Why not? A guy. Uh, <laughs> who is a guy? We also, yeah. we also meet Barbara Mandrell, who met Carla, and she has a bunch of details. She said she won like a amateur singing contest, and uh, they were supposed to work together. She says uh, they met with. She met with her, but there was she was having a kind of a fight with the wax museum manager. And she kind of points them in the direction to Joe Hatchek, uh, who is down by the docks. He runs a, a illegal gambling ring by the docks. So they're yeah. like, okay, well, off to the next s- scenario. <laughs> yeah, of, uh, of, the, of the cameos, I think she probably gives the best performance. In well, terms sure. Of, yeah. She's an actual like, actress, too. Like, Okay, I didn't know that part. Yeah. So. On IMDb, she's got just as many like, acting performances as she does have, like, singing performances. That makes sense, then, that she was a lot more, a lot better with with learning lines from a script. Yeah. I mean, I I am not the authority on Barbara Mandrell, but... Uh, and what are you doing on this podcast, man? <laughs> yeah, this is one of those times where we once again say that we're not an expert on something. <laughs> you specifically said, when we started Look. this podcast, that you were going to talk about... <laughs> Barbara Mandrell. The entire career of Barbara Mandrell. Look, you guys just heard me. Lack. I was going to talk about Louise Mandrell, the other member oh. of the, the Mandrell sisters. Right, right. Yeah, classic it, mix-up. You guys never listen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, well go I was on. just excited for Barbara Mandrell. What, what can I say? That's why I got into the podcast game. <laughs> hey, here's a little fun fact about Barbara Mandrell. She was born on Christmas in 1948. Wow. There you go. Perfect. Fun fact. <laughs> I've learned everything I need to know. There you go. Uh, yeah, so they meet Barbara Mandrell. She gives them great information. She's like the guy that works down at the uh, the fish market in an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we came around here, and uh, you know, I think he's over at the club. Yeah, was that is to say, I've seen him, but uh, I couldn't tell you where he where he's been. Like, oh, okay. Right here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the joke, and you guys would probably have a more realistic um, experience with this. It's the joke that anytime you're walking down the street in New York having an idle conversation, you just know you're going to walk up and find a dead body. <laughs> because it's hey. the opening to every Law and Order. Yeah. Like joggers in Central Park. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they go to the, they, uh, they go to the do- restaurant down by the docks. They go to like a back room. Um creepy perm guy is just like one step behind them they go in the back room they find some craps games going on they find the guy named hat check who kind of they talk about him they talk about carla to him asking about her and everything like that 
he's got nothing nice to say about Carla. Basically says she's been, you know, fucking up all around, fucking everyone that she sees to get what she wants. Um, fight breaks out, and then Selick just unloads on a bunch of dudes. He also takes a header off the stairs in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that too. Uh, I'm assuming it was a, a stunt man, but like the the railing gives way and he just like topples over. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it was on purpose. No, that was poorly built. That yeah, uh, every that railing. Yeah, every fist fight in this movie felt like the uh, the stunt coordinator, if there was even one on set, was just like, I don't know, just fake hit him. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. That's, laughs> just throw just throw random punches. punches. That, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll figure it out later. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Selleck does does sell the the punches, but again, he's six four, so he's kind of got that just uh, there, that size advantage too. Speaking it. of that, there's a part when they're talking to uh, Hatchek, right? Is that that's the name Hatchek? Mm-hmm. Uh, so JD is like threatening him, and he steps off of one of the stairs, mm-hmm. and Hatchek towers him by like four inches. Yeah. And just to me, I thought it was hilarious because it he he's JD is you know telling him like oh you know there's a lot of people looking for uh, for Carla and uh, they got a lot of muscle and then he takes the step down and then he yeah. looks up <laughs> like, <laughs> you you've just lost your position of power man yeah uh, JD all of, make... of us sub sixers know this JD insinuates that they've been sent by uh, the mafia from New York to right. find out what happened to Carla. Um, and then someone but blows yeah, up their spot by saying, no, these guys are from Montana. <laughs> right. First of all, what's wrong with Montana? And then the, uh, watch out, JD, and then they get into another bad fight. Yep. But, uh, yeah, all of us sub-sixers know you never give up your position of power there. If you're, <laughs> if you're like, equal or above, if you have the high ground, you never give that up. I know. That's the only time you're going to be taller than a six-footer. Obi-Wan knew that. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> I have the high ground. JD didn't know that. And that's why he proceeded to get his uh, his clock cleaned. Yep. So the fight breaks out. The cop, the cops come out of nowhere. They show up. They break up the fight and arrest JD and Will. As they're taking him away, Hatchack tries to escape in Lonnie's car, and it blows the fuck up, like, <laughs> several times. <laughs> Just, perm guy really did a number on that car. I, I feel like... Hatchek was really in that car. Right? <laughs> the, yeah. the guy who played him was really there. Rest in peace. Wait a minute. We weren't supposed to do that, were we? Uh-oh. Stunt coordinator got fired that day. <laughs> right. The explosions expert is uh, no longer working in show business. Like uh, and, Danny uh, ride from Tropic Thunder. Right. <laughs> and to be honest, that's probably why I didn't get picked up. <laughs> they killed a man. Yeah, we can't we can't really air this anymore. There's so much hey, negligence. Little little do you know that the uh back in nineteen seventy nine the purge was in effect. Uh, so there was no they were able to kill that man and there were no consequences. I, I think uh he owed Bert Kennedy money or something like that I read. Yeah. Killing a man never stopped John Landis. That's <laughs> true. Oh, uh, a man and two what? children. <laughs> so that's yeah, like one in the one in the three quarters, man. Right. Right. <laughs> too soon. It's too soon. Uh, why didn't I think of that joke? <laughs> you want to? right there. Cut, we could cut it right here. You could. No, you could no, no. It's one. fine. It's fine. All right. He'll he'll let you have this one. Just, right. No. 
If and take always take the opportunity to badmouth John Landis, just because of the <laughs> shitty kid that he produced. <laughs> right. My favorite, <laughs> if for no other reason. My top five moments of all time on Twitter is when someone was yelling about Max Landis. Is like, well, he would have been fine if his dad wasn't a helicopter parent. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed for a solid five minutes and then tried to explain the joke to my coworker and was laughing the entire time I was trying to do that. It it was perfect. And then that, and that person in that comment thread never came back. He just dropped that and left. Right. Walked. He rode into the sunset. He he yeah. made his contribution to the internet. It was great. I think just that was like, my favorite part. Deleted his accounts and just walked into the ocean. <laughs> my life's not getting any better than this. I'm done here. My, my my life's work is complete. He he ascended into heaven. <laughs> He's like that'll do. The, the the blue light taking him up. It's it's like that one uh, the one meme with the uh, with the Grim Reaper and the dog. Like oh was I a good boy? Like no, you were the best. That's that's God. God was I was I a good memer? You were the best, and they just they just walk away. Uh, chapter four, we got JD and Will are in jail, but they're getting released because they were not gambling. So they go back to the apartment, and it's been turned upside down. Um, someone was looking for something, and conveniently, Lonnie calls it this time, and he's just like, uh, "Is my package there?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're keeping it safe, but uh, someone." Someone fucked up your room. Probably want to get back here soon. Um, and they're like, okay, bye. Yeah, he takes bye. it very well. <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs> so long. Uh, yeah, he takes it very well. Like, oh, my, my my place was destroyed? All right. Whatever. Yeah. We've all been um, there. So then they go to the Opryland Hotel where, uh, I guess that's where their Kate is, uh, is residing at the moment. The fake, uh, nope, spoiler alert, the fake... Hmm. sister of Carla. Um, they go to the hotel. They get a weird glance from the woman at the desk and there's no answer on the phone. And then she's like, oh, well, she's not in. Sorry. So they sneak into her room anyway. Quite poorly, I might add. Yeah. <laughs> they wait she's, for... They, they, they notice... They're noticed immediately. <laughs> and Tom Selleck does this whole, like, espionage move where he takes the Band-Aid off of JD and puts it on the lock so it doesn't close. Straight like, from oh, Watergate. Right. It's like, that's so smooth. And then they do a terrible job of just sneaking in. She like, gets three feet down the hall. And they're like, all right, time to go. Right. And she, she just, immediately she, picks up the phone and calls somebody. It, she just looks over. Like, and she sees them both go in. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Good job, guys. Yeah. Real, real, uh, real. They they definitely failed their stealth check. Yep. Yeah. Restart that mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so... They uh, they they get into the room and they they just see a, a single bag and uh, the security that's dressed like Colonel Sanders barges in and yeah. they sneak out and a chase ensues but they escape uh long it's a long kind of chase they it's a they stupid escape, chase they escape on like a um on a tr- on a a dump truck or a trash uh, a yeah, trash compactor kind of, yeah. It's kind of slow moving vehicle. A garbage the, truck. Yeah. There's two parts in that chase that are there's actually three parts. So when the guy comes in, they hide and then they again they just do a terrible job of sneaking out. Yep. And then 
they go into like the laundry room yep. where they're hiding and the guy runs by them without seeing them and then they get caught immediately after that mm-hmm. they do a bad job of leaving again and then the guy with the gun catches them and then he just like lets them push him over mm-hmm. it's what was going this was like even the duke boys would be like that, that's terrible that's that's an awful <laughs> chase yeah How i mean he, he is just so a, stupid he is just a security guard but he doesn't own a gun right? he has a gun. <laughs> yeah he's not he's not your average run-of-the-mill security guard yeah yeah, he's, so, he has that look on his face. He catches him like, all right, guys, the jig is up. And, and Tom <laughs> Selleck. push him into the pool. Right. They're like, mm, you got us. Run. And the guy's like, oh, my God, I'm wet. And, it's very slapsticky. It's very yeah. uh, Scooby-Doo almost. I was going to say, you should have just put the Benny Hill music in there. And it would have fit perfectly. Yeah. So they take a look at the piece of paper that they wound up taking. And it looks like some sheet music for a song written for Carla by Woody Stone, who is supposed to be like a bigwig in the Nashville music scene. Um, so before they go to visit Woody Stone, they need to get a car and they need to get a fancy car. Uh, so they go to a luxury car dealership and they sweet talk the worst car salesman <laughs> ever into giving them a, a what was it, Excalibur for right. the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a real car? I have no idea. I thought it was like a Rolls Royce. Yeah, I, I don't. I feel like it wasn't the name of a real car, but I have no idea. I'm not an expert when it comes to cars. <laughs> Neither am I. Barbara Mandrell's more my speed. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny because like he like bullies the car salesman into giving yeah. him the car, and the, the guy's like so me like you, you're you're not gonna hurt it, are you? <laughs> no, I'm gonna treat him like oh, oh okay. Like, you, this guy would be fired immediately. Like, hey, Bob, what happened to the uh, the white Excalibur? Oh, I was going to tell you, this guy came in, said that uh, he works for this oil manager, or uh, uh, oil tycoon, and he wants to borrow it for the weekend. Are you serious? You fell for that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, why'd you the $180,000 Excalibur off of our lot without any sort of a check or... Right. Any contact information. (laughs) (laughs) Because this comes back to bite that guy very badly at the end. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was thinking to myself, man, because my father worked in in sales. My dad would have wiped the floor with this guy. (laughs) We would have made so much money off of this man. (laughs) This guy's, what do they call a rube? This is a pigeon. Yeah, it was, this guy... Got into the wrong line of work. Yep. <laughs> and then we have a fade out, and it's on to chapter five. We drive up on Woody Stone's house with this fancy car, and we meet Woody Stone, and he says, Sorry, never met Carla. See you way out, boys. Have a good day. So then instead, they start playing the song, because there's a guitar strategically placed right there. Yep. Um, and he immediately recognizes it, and he's like, All right, where'd you get that? He's like, oh, well, yeah, you want to tell us about your relationship with Carla? And he basically says he was fucking Carla big time. Yep. Just all day, all night, just well, fucking. No, he lies to them at first. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I didn't know. Everyone just lies to these guys. Yep. They're just a bunch of liars. <laughs> but yeah, he said, but he says, like, you know, they were fucking. He was trying to, she just wanted to be a star, and she wanted to fuck a star, and. He was trying to, 
he was getting getting it in while he was trying to make her a star. Um, but they had a big fight because he wasn't going to. He tried to get her on some albums, and people said no, and she just got mad, and she left. And eventually, uh, Woody Stone points them in the direction of a guy by the main name of Mr. Smooth, who hooked <laughs> Carla up with uh, a Miss Peg. Miss Peg worked uh, basically a madam that ran a whorehouse just outside city limits. And uh, so they say their goodbyes to Woody Stone, and they're off. At this point, we realize that Woody Stone was the man that hired the perm guy, but he wasn't hired to kill those guys. He's it was there. He was trying to kill them, but it was, they're killing trying to kill the wrong person. And then uh, they drive out to Miss Pegs. She shows shows them around her f- fancy whorehouse, <laughs> and uh, yep. she flashbacks about the last time she saw Carla. When she was uh, having a fight with her boyfriend up, uh, at the whorehouse. And that was the last time she saw her. Now, to get some more information while they're at the whorehouse, J.D. Sweets talks Mrs. Pegg. Oh, it's says, so good. Who says he's got her hormones all going. <laughs> oh, that's right. Now, Mrs. Pegg is about, like, drinks. 90 years old. So, th- it's believable. Yeah. Right? It's believable that she would fall for this young guy coming on to her. And like, oh, you know, because it's probably been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so this is more on shame on JD for taking advantage of an old lady. Mm-hmm. The 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 car salesman, that's fine. I uh, yeah, it, he probably deserved it. If if that happens to you, you deserve to get fleeced for a hundred thousand dollar car. But yeah, this poor woman, she got her motor cocaine. running, got her motor running, and then he just left her to idle there to just, just like finish, man to finish, to finish that metaphor about cars. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. and then just it, the quality of the picture didn't let me know like how much money he put on the table, but she seems very impressed by it. Mm-hmm. it well, like they do have that hundred was... grand. They do have that thousand dollars from when yeah. uh, uh, Kate dropped. Yeah, the, but dropped you know, it was it was it was it a twenty? Was it a hundred? I think it was like a ten. <laughs> Ooh la yeah. la! Well, I mean, nineteen seventy nine, man. This is a recession. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> That's a good people point. Are, people are lining up to get gas. Yeah, yeah, listen, you're not wrong. But again, she she was... Uh, I, I just feel trapped. bad for her. Yeah, she was she, ready to go. Yeah, listen, we all have needs. That's right. We're all human, aren't we? That's um, right. So while he's sweet-talking Miss Peg, Will finds a phone number that's supposed to bo- belong to um, Carla's boyfriend, and he calls it, and he recognizes the name, the voice on the other end. So as they leave, they uh, he tells La- uh, JD to call that number, and he also recognizes the voice as none other than Lonnie Grimes with from his car phone. So then we fade out, and it's commercial break time, and we come back to Chapter 6. Uh, they're back at Lonnie's apartment. Said, Will says that he checked the package that they were supposed to pick up from Lonnie, and it contains about $200,000. Which I was expecting a bigger package than what they wound up with for two hundred thousand dollars, but I guess they're big bills. Yeah, yeah. It, it seemed like it was a very small package. I would have thought like maybe ten grand yeah. at most. Yeah, not that, that's, that's like not a lot of money, but and it also just shows you the time period that you know didn't go any higher than six figures. Yeah. Like he even starts been... low. He's like he's like ten grand. Yeah, that would have just been silly. Right. You yeah, know, million dollars. Grand? That's. Yeah, they, I don't think they really ventured into that territory back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, maybe on Dallas. Right. Yeah, that's possible. <laughs> Mark, is that true? I'm assuming yeah. you've watched every episode. Only only relationship I have with with Dallas is that uh, gif of Judith Light. No idea. Oh, that's the new Dallas. That's the the new Dallas. Uh, She sorts the cocaine and goes, Mama like. (laughs) (laughs) Still have no idea. (laughs) But, all right, sounds good. All right. Uh, So Lonnie shows up and tells him about what the plan was to try and get some money to make a record. They flash back to when Lonnie saw Woody shoot Carla. And uh, at that moment, Kate calls, says she knows where to find Carla's body. So they set up to meet him. Uh, Will hands off the $200,000 package to Lonnie and they uh, they go to a graveyard <laughs> to meet up with Kate yeah. and they have some nice pitch black photography in this. Oh, it's can't terrible. I, thing that's going I couldn't on. see a thing that happened in this scene so I, I have nothing to say about it. Yeah. So as soon as they get to the cemetery uh, Lonnie pulls the gun on the guys but the perm guy shows up and tries to shoot Lonnie but Lonnie in turn shoots that guy no. and then Lonnie... What's that? It wasn't Lonnie that shot. Oh, who shot? Who shot her? Was um, it Carla. Yeah, Carla. Carla shoots the perm guy. Yeah. Again, no clue. Yeah. It just and, comes back into play later on. That's the only reason I clarified it. Gotcha. Um. So perm guy gets shot, and then Lonnie's just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> that's that's the best part of this movie. I got I got my two hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I don't want to. I don't want to play anymore. I'm done. Yeah. So I should mention at this time, Kate it, Carla is still pretending to be Kate at the moment. Yeah. Right. And she tries yeah. to get away from the guys. The guys catch her, and they pull off the wig, and obviously, Scooby-Doo oh, reveal. yeah, surprise, surprise, it's Carla. And I, then I, we get... I, I, I can't get over how the villain just says he doesn't want to do this anymore. Yeah, like, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. I got $2,000 to my name. I'm out. I'm bitch. done. What, what do you mean you're done? We still have like 20 minutes left of the movie. Eh, no, <laughs> I'm done. You guys uh, go ahead. Yeah. So... Chapter 7 opens up, we're back at Lonnie's place, and Carla tells about Lonnie's plan. She actually faked her death with Will, or Woody, um, to try and get him to, for Lonnie to start blackmailing Woody, to get him to pay $200,000 to say that he's going to tell everybody about that he killed Carla. And then they're like, then Will and JD are like, oh, well, we're going to figure this all out. We're going to straighten this all out. So why don't you go get ready? Um, it turns out Will actually has the money on him. He never gave it to Lonnie, which is important. Uh, mm-hmm. So he calls yeah. Lonnie first. Or he, call, he calls Woody. And he's like, hey, I got your $200,000. Uh, I bet you want it back. And and Woody's like, yeah, I do. And then they call Lonnie. And they're like, hey, Lonnie, I have your $200,000 that we said we gave to you. Do you want it? He's like, yeah, I do. How great and, would it be if both of them said no? <laughs> you know hey, what? Money, I have your money. Eh, okay. This two hundred dollars has just been a lot of work, guys. Right. I'm just gonna <laughs> count the rest of the money that I already have and just live quiet, peacefully. Maybe get a, an age-appropriate woman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm done days. with this, guys. Well, you you keep it. You do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, they both want the money back. Um, so they set up that they're all gonna be there. And uh, they're bringing Carla with them, and uh, they and then Will's like, I got one more call to make, so get her ready. So they go off to meet at a uh, a condemned warehouse. Uh, Woody finds two hundred thousand dollars, and Lonnie shows up, and they fight over it. And then Carla brings out her gun, uh, the one I guess they sh- she shot the perm guy with. 
And she's like, this is $200,000 mine. You guys, it's over. Get out of my way. And then the cops show up and they arrest all three of them with a quick nod and a wink from the Philadelphia sheriff to the guys. Because that was the third phone call. And then the guys are just like, peace, (laughs) y'all. Our work here is done. Yeah, because the the reason I clarified who got killed cemetery is because she says I already killed one man. Oh, that's right. Today over this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's yeah. correct. So then the dudes jump in their Excalibur. They head back for the freight train, and they meet up with the rail cop again. And they're like, "Hey, is this rail, this uh, freight train going out of town?" And he's like, "Yep." They're like, "Okay, we're gonna jump on this one and get out of your hair." <laughs> Um, in the meantime, if you want to drive around this car until it runs out of gas, be our guest. And when it does, just call the people from the car dealership and uh, let them know where to pick it up. And let them know we don't want it. Uh, peace, y'all. And then yeah, they just, leave. And just leaving this guy with more problems than Yeah, guy's really going to end up getting arrested for stealing his car. Yeah, right. Like, and, and like, that's not that. it. He has to go through the hassle of finding out where they got it from, contacting the place. Having them come and get it, he just leaves them with a giant headache. I guess you could probably call the real cops and just have them figure it out. Yeah. Well, you listen, these two weirdos came by with this car and just dropped it off here. It's not mine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, And then they jump on, and then they, and then that's the end of the movie. That is the end of Ramblin' Man and the adventures that they will never have together. Until we decide to reboot it. Yes. This is the one show that probably should be rebooted. Yeah. I'd watch the shit out of a of a, a show. Ooh, good question. You know where I'm going with this already. Who are but we casting? Reboot. Yeah, who are we casting? Ah, fuck. Um, and it could be anyone, right? Yeah, I mean, like it's a TV show, but a TV pretend. show. Does, pretend does, it's a Netflix show, so you could okay. get anybody. Really? Okay. Does it have to be? Do they have to be like allegories of their the these the characters in this? Whoever you want to see. What do you want to see in this? Yeah, so someone just came in the top of my head, and um, I don't know why, but for some reason I was thinking realistically and who you could get. I was thinking the Tom Selleck role could be played by like a uh, Logan Marshall Green. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for JD, what about a uh, what about a Zac Efron? Mm, okay. I was thinking right. a little bit older. I was thinking Woody Harrelson. Uh, I think that's much older. Yeah. But he, I mean, yeah, he's not he's not too bad. Uh, I'm trying to think for Will. Maybe a Will's got to be a man's man. There's not a whole yeah. lot of them. That's true. A, a man's yeah, man. A tough one. But like, how old? Uh, however you want to make this. Could you get okay. away with the guy that played? Um, God, I can't think of his real name. And the most ridiculous role that I can think of him in is coming out. The guy that played um, uh, Gaston in uh, the remake of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, what Luke if, Evans. Luke Evans. That's it. What oh, I, I know my. I know my answer for Will. <laughs> Who is it? Wyatt Russell. Oh, yeah. that's not bad. Kurt Russell's kid. Mm-hmm. What about uh, Jeremy Renner for JD? Uh, if you want to cancel, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why the show's not getting picked and up. That's why the show wasn't picked up. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, I, we know one person who would watch it at least. Yep, my wife. There you go. <laughs> Why? Just the yeah. just the demographic I need. <laughs> Women obsessed with mediocrity. What about uh, <laughs> uh, Sean William Scott for JD? 
Ooh, he's not bad. He's he can he can pull off comedy. So Johnny Knoxville and Sean William Scott. Scott. Yep, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Reprising like uh, I mean, if but- we made that in the mid two thousands, Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler, I can see For that. Will, he's a man's man. He's a man's man. I mean, he, he's not. He doesn't have that good of acting chops, really. But uh, he can grow a mustache. He had facial hair for three hundred. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it all checks out. We should get Henry Cavill, but then just CGI the mustache out. <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, why do I need to have this mustache, guys? Ah, don't worry, it, it'll all make sense when the when the show comes out. Tom Selleck had a mustache in the show. You gotta have it. You gotta have it. It's just completely CGI'd out. <laughs> and yeah, and then we just like we just just despite him, spent fifty oh, million dollars of to and, CG the mustache out of every episode. And just <laughs> you, Henry Cavill. <laughs> and just because we need one in this, I think the uh, if we're just taking this episode, I think the uh, old country star has to be played by Sam Elliott. Oh yeah, sure, sure, yeah, sure. That that I would I would actually want to see happen. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm I'm still trying to see what actress that would be the equivalent to Morgan Fairchild that they would try and hire. Who's like a a soap star? I guess. Right. Yeah, that's a good yeah. good question. I don't know. I mean, if you let's see, if you wanted to go younger, what's her name? Did Didario Alexandra Didario. Okay. Which I don't. I don't think she could yeah. sing, or I mean, Morgan Fairchild couldn't really sing either. But right. uh, yeah, she's not bad. She, she's oh. uh, not hard. Not hard on the eyes, as they say. I always enjoy seeing her pop up in other in in oh, stuff. Yeah. Sure, sure. Can't go wrong there. Mm-hmm. Or if you want, you could actually just get like Taylor Swift because she's there an actual go. country oh, star. Oh, that would actually be good. Yeah, yeah. why not? Right? I'm sure she's not a very yeah. good actress. Or Carrie Underwood. There you go. Carrie Underwood. Yeah. It'll yeah, fit. Yeah, Terrence Smith would fit perfectly. You know. I like Jeez. it. Let's let's greenlight this bad boy. That's you know. that's how we're getting our money. Uh, yep. that's, we're getting Taylor, Taylor Swift signs on for it. But yeah. Exactly. For one especially, if you, especially if you need, especially if you need the character to not be able to sing. Sure. Oh. Hot take. <laughs> Don't disrespect T Swift on my watch, man. All right. I'm a I'm a T Swift fan. Hey, that's my that's Swift my girl. Thing. I'm a Swifty. Swifties on us. I'm a Swiffer. <laughs> Give me all the T Swift. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what what would you do to make this movie better, guys? Um, I think we were talking about it. I would probably get rid of the those like commercial break things, mm-hmm. those chapters, because it's it, it brings the movie to like a jarring halt. Right. Instead of just a smooth transition, it's like title card. Like, all right, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, I would get rid of the Philadelphia cop. <laughs> or I would just I would get rid of the fact that he's from Philadelphia if you want to keep the cop around <laughs> it really doesn't mean anything it's just yeah I'm from Philadelphia oh yeah okay. the only way it works I, I'm being facetious you know booing the Philadelphia part no, but no, no, no I think the way it works is the better option is to make him like a New Yorker like a stereotypical right. Brooklyn Bronx you know with the thick accent New Yorker uh, I feel like they just they hired a guy that couldn't do a southern accent. And they're just like, oh, we got to write write a reason why this guy is a sheriff in Nashville. And, and nobody, nobody knows what the Philly accent sounds like. <laughs> like, hey, where are you from? Philadelphia. <laughs> it, it works. Just for ask me. me to say water. <laughs> right. Water. 
Like, oh, yep, he's from Philadelphia, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I would probably do away with that whole shtick. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean... Wait, no! The sheriff was from Memphis, Tennessee. What? <laughs> what? Wait. Wait, wait. If, well, if I'm looking at the right account. guy... If I'm looking at the right guy named oh, Red well, West... Oh, you mean the actress. The, no, the, the actress, actor. actor. Yeah. No, the actor. Oh, no. Uh, Lieutenant Blocker. That was his name. Yeah. Yes. He was... But he's from Arizona. Okay. Yeah, he didn't <laughs> well, have an accent. Hell? Right. I mean, in like real said, life, he's from Arizona? Philadelphia accent sounds like. Yeah. It's just... It's it's funny to me. I yeah. don't know why. I don't, well, <laughs> there was no reason for him to be from... Uh, it, it, it's not a surprise that he got cast for this movie. You know, Arizona is the south of the west. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, you know what else I would do? I'd probably add a couple of more car chases because... It, it definitely, like we said, it has that uh, Dukes of Hazard cannonball run, uh, smoking the bandit type of feel. I thought there was going to be more cars involved in this, so I think it would have it would have fit tonally to have a couple more car chases in there. Sure. Uh, and pretty much other than that, I mean, th- this is a pretty weak premise to begin with. Uh, it's by the numbers, it, you yeah, know. The, the the main point is all they got to do is just hide the the mystery better sure like just just you know i was waiting for the twist the entire time once you know morgan fairchild walks in for the first time i'm like okay are they like twins or is it you know she's not really dead right because once they show that kate is also morgan fairchild yeah like oh well that kind of you know lets the cat out of the bag kind of early yeah, so, and I, I feel like this was going to be if it had been picked up as a show, they would have had a country star or some other guest of the week, and they would have been the murderer or the kidnapper or whatever. They would have been the villain. So I think it it would have just been a run, you know, paint by the numbers type of thing. And yeah, uh, yeah it it wasn't very creative. Yeah, it would have been a you know a procedural. Yeah, essentially, and it, it would have just been. You know, week by week they solve some random murder or some kidnap, whatever. And it's always the guest. And you're like, all right, well, it gets boring quickly. Sure. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I think we've mentioned it. Uh, I would lean into the, the Smokey and the Bandit sort of sure. uh, hijinks sort of uh, movie slash TV show, if that's what we're going to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're not going to get rid of the the... The cop, I think you turn him into more of a foil. I don't think they real. I think they they tried to do that, and they, you know, sort of, again, like smoking in the bandit, like uh, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, from Honeymooners, where oh, he's Jackie uh, Gleason. Jackie Gleason, yeah, right, yeah, the the Smokey, um, <laughs> is where he's just at every turn, he's just getting like. The the bandits just uh, making a fool out of him every time. So I think right. I think you lean into that a little bit. Like they just kind of had more or less pretty cordial uh, run-ins with the with the sheriff in this one. So it's kind of like, well, why is he even here? Just to let him, just to let them out of out of jail and to set up the the third phone call at the end, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it didn't really affect the plot more than just they needed they needed to set up a relationship between the law enforcement so they could call the cops to kind of set up the end. Um, but yeah, I would think do that, create that kind of thing, and 
take away the mystery of it. Like I don't like if this was a show. Like I think you can you could have some fun with kind of mixing genres a little bit. Like every episode, like maybe this week they do uh, a mystery, and the next week they're yeah uh, they're on a chain gang for a week or something like that. You know? Yeah. Um, Dylan McBee. Right. Darren McBee. Darren McBee. Don't forget the name of our uh, of our, our patron saint yeah. of this of this show. Um, I'll have to yeah, go do no. thirty lashes. <laughs> I, I didn't hate this. It's not. It's not something it, for for a movie. It doesn't work. I think it. It's a decent premise for a for a TV show. Um, that I again, it it would need to obviously they didn't get Tom Selleck for the rest of it, so I think that is probably a very big reason why it didn't get any further than another seven episodes. Uh, Jerry Reed and his chemistry is very is is a nice aspect to it, um, but other than that, uh, you know, it is what it is. I didn't hate it. Um, it was a little long, but uh, it was bad. Yeah, I think it was again. It's just kind of mediocre. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere there's an alternate universe where Tom Selleck does stay around for uh, Concrete Cowboys, and there's a few seasons of it. Yeah. And uh, I, but I I don't know if I'd want to watch it to be honest. It just seems again, how can you create this type of thing when they ride the rails and just go from city to city solving crimes? Yeah. It it doesn't seem sustainable. But I'd I'd watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that's gonna be it. Uh, you guys plug your shit. So we get out of here. Fine. Yeah, I'm going to do it real quick. Aquino 122 Twitter, follow me. Stranger <laughs> Damies, at Stranger Damies, follow us. We're doing our Extra Life campaign this Saturday, all right? Subscribe to that. <laughs> Fucking donate. Give us your money so we could give it to kids. And that's it. Okay. Mark. I can't follow that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the one thing to seriously mention is that if you do want to donate to The Extra Life, uh, it's tinyurl.com slash extra life, the number four. Um, so feel free to donate there. Okay. And we are They Called This Movie. You can find us at theycalledthismovie.podbean.com and on any podcast streaming app. That's iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us. We are on uh, themainamy.com and on social. We are at the main Amy. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us at the main Amy. You can also find us at Geek Vibes Nation. They got a great bunch of shows that you could listen to if you have any other kind of interests in geek stuff, sports, uh, video games. Uh, we got Stranger Damies on there. We got Game Vault Podcast on there. We also have our show on there. So you just go Geek Vibes Nation. We'll pop right up. They're also at GBNation.com. So that's going to wrap us up. Uh, the director of Ramblin' Man, or the first episode of Concrete Cowboys, was Burt Kennedy. Uh, so for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Del Vecchio telling Burt Kennedy to go fuck himself.